Friday, everybody. Sam Park and John Ramey with you. Um, I like this Friday wrap-up format, Sam, that we have organically uh, settled upon just from my annoying schedule. Because things happen, and I feel like a week is a digestible unit of time. Right. It's a, it's a weekly podcast, right? Yeah. Then, you know, it would seem to, to make sense that we can wrap up a week. And, you know, since we all know that the news media tends to sort of step back a couple paces on Saturday and Sunday, unless something catastrophic happens, you know, we can wrap up this week and look forward to next week. Uh, what's going on with the U.S. economy? Well, everybody, I, everybody's saying there's going to be a recession. There's likely a recession. Maybe it's a little less likely there's going to be a recession. And then also inflation. Ooh, maybe the worst of it is over. And now we find out that the economy is like taking off, which well, is bad it, for inflation. OK, it's it's uh, a little bit more complicated than that, but not much. Uh, the, That's in, why you're here. Inflation is still a problem. It's basically stuck. Right. For a few months towards the end of last year and at the beginning of the, uh, through last month, it seemed like inflation was moderating slowly, but definitely coming down. This month's figures, both on the wholesale and the consumer level, pretty much held steady, which means, by the way, uh, that prices are still rising. Right. If inflation remains at, you know, six percent or whatever, it is, that's, you know, that means that prices are still going up. Not that the prices are holding steady. It's just that the rate of price increase is holding steady. So that's still bad. If you're on a ship that's taking on water, uh, you're eventually going to need to stop taking on water, not exactly. just hold to the rate at which the ocean is pouring in. Yeah, but of course, you don't want the, the rate increase. of the Yeah, you don't want an increase in that rate. But, it, but if it holds steady, that's still bad. Uh, and so... This means that the Fed is going to need to continue raising interest rates. And for instance, at their last meeting, they only raised them a quarter of a percentage point as opposed to the uh, higher rate increases that they'd had so far in this entire you know year plus episode of raising rates. So they've slowed the extent to which they were raising interest rates in order to combat inflation. But they've been very clear that they intend to continue raising rates for some time to come until inflation gets under control. For some reason, the stock market in particular has enough people participating in it that don't seem to believe them, right? That, that seem to think that Chairman Powell and the Board of Governors at the Fed are lying or somehow mistaken and that they're actually going to not keep raising interest rates. And I don't know why that is. And keep in mind, of course, stock markets have millions and millions and millions of participants. So, you know, people talk about the markets as if it's like three people. Right? Just like but, the media. Right. Exactly. Right. But in, uh, I think part of it is that trading stocks is something you can do instantaneously on your phone right now. And with no greater macroeconomic understanding whatsoever. Exactly. And I think that people who are who are trading that way on that is instantaneously on their phones are more likely to be younger people who have no memory of any previous episode of high inflation. Uh, and so they, they don't understand how macroeconomic monetary policy works. Uh, you know, they, uh, again, 
Chairman Powell has been very clear about what he intends to do. Why, why can't you listen to him? Uh, it just doesn't make any sense to me. But again, you know, what do I know? So uh, inflation is still a problem. I think part of it is because of uh, the successful reopening of the Chinese economy, which we talked about in our China episode towards the end of last year. Uh, that is economically, mind you, the relaxation or elimination, in fact, of the zero COVID policies in China have been very successful. The factory activity is ticking up. Uh, uh, the consumer activity is is increasing very dramatically since China relaxed their policies. These things will add to inflation, right, especially because it means more energy will be consumed in China, which is already an enormous energy consumer but for other reasons too just you know more more spending means that more goods are being consumed and that adds to inflation now because factory activity is is ticking up in china over the long term that will ease the shortage of goods of course the textbook in, in uh, definition of inflation as we recall is too much money chasing too few goods so if, so if chinese goods, factories are working too few goods in theory, becomes less problematic because there exactly. will be more but, goods. But that will take time, right? That, uh, you know, if uh, if consumer spending was rising in tandem with factory activity, that will counteract the rise in the num in the amount of goods that are being produced. So uh, this complicates the Fed's hopes of engineering a soft landing, as they say, for the American economy. Right. They are trying not to. It, let's go back to our train brake throttle metaphor. Right. Let's assume the brake and the throttle is one lever. You push it forward to go. You pull it back to brake. Right. Um, I'm not an engineer. I don't know how to drive. Apparently. A train. Yeah. But they are trying to slow the train down, but right. they don't want to jam on the brakes and derail everything. Exactly. But they're having to put they're having to apply more and more brake because apparently the train is still gathering speed. Yes. However, uh, for instance, there was an enormous gain in jobs in the last jobs report, half a million jobs or so, right, which was much higher than people expected. Yeah. Right? So apparently the Fed is not cooling the economy that much so far with interest rates uh, at this. That is higher interest rates. At the same time, though, uh, the jobs that are being created are, which is in some ways a good thing, uh, at the lower end of the income spectrum. Right. We keep hearing about all these layoffs and for instance in the tech sector thousands sure. and thousands of people losing their jobs in the tech sector while a net of a half a million new jobs are being created right so that's good in a way right that means the people you know tech workers are generally assumed to be middle overpaid to upper, yeah middle to upper income people <laughs> let's say right right uh and and so the jobs that are being created are at income levels below theirs uh, and so in some ways, that's good. Uh, but it means that the Fed will have to continue uh, raising rates because inflation is is stuck at what they uh, uh, estimate at too high a level. And so it'll, it'll keep it'll have it'll continue this way for a while. And so you know, as to whether or not there will be a recession, I wouldn't even care to hazard a guess. Uh, but, you know, there definitely could be. Uh, that it still seems a little less likely than it did towards the uh, you know last summer last fall, uh, but uh, it's certainly not off the table. 
it is just so funny for somebody, for example, like my age, who is too young, just barely to remember the last inflationary crisis, which would have been what, the early 80s? Yes, that, that would be that that would have been the end of basically a decade. Decade. Yeah. Of, 73 of to 83, roughly. Yeah. So approximately. Yes. So although inflation had been creeping up right. uh, uh, for a, a, about a decade previous there, too. Sure. Uh, it's just that it exploded with the Arab oil embargo of 1973. It's just I could see how somebody like, a you know, a regular person being just completely almost in disbelief about inflation as a concept or as an economic indicator. Now, that's not to say they don't see gas, gas prices or the price of bread or milk or whatever. Yeah. But the notion that there is an institute, an unelected institution that is deliberately trying to slow down the economy. Uh, and somehow that's going to bring your price of milk down. But you might lose your job. It does seem a bit. It seems. I don't know if the word's counterintuitive, but. You get you understand what it's I'm getting frustrating. at. Right? Yeah, it's I mean, frustrating. Yeah, you know, uh, you know, it it it. Uh, I mean, on paper it makes sense, but that doesn't help. Totally you, right. Uh, We're so- going to make we the Fed are going to make a bunch of bankers less incentivized to loan people who create and have jobs money, and somehow that's going to be good for people, right? right. Yeah, Uh, yeah. I guess that is counterintuitive. But the thing is, you know, uh, that is the ball game, though. Right. It it is. uh, uh, For instance, if if you're someone, and listen, I'm not advocating for electing the Fed. I mean, that'd be a nightmare, right? It's good that it is good that it's you know uh, there are people, right, elected officials in this country who are sort of chiding the Fed. Uh, for raising interest rates because yeah, it makes your credit card bill go up. It makes right. you know, it makes. It and, but that's cheap political point scoring. It is, but uh, uh, they don't seem to have any countervailing idea. Right. What are we supposed to do instead? Right. I yeah. Mean, where's your price fixing legislation? Yeah. What you know? What uh, and do you price control? That's actually going to work, right? For instance, if uh, if. You're a person at a low level of income and you lose your job. That's bad for you. No question. Right. But if you don't lose your job, but prices can keep rising. That's also bad. bad. That's also bad for you. And it's bad for every other low income person. Right. So, yeah, it's true. Right. Policymakers have to balance all these different factors. And it's not that they're ever going to eliminate suffering. They just want to try and minimize the number of people who have to suffer as a result. Uh, And it's difficult. We should point out the Fed is not completely unaccountable to the people. Uh, The the elected officials of the federal government appoint the chairman and yes, the president appoints the the chair and probably the board of the the board of governors also. Uh, I'm not sure about that last part, but they definitely appoint the chair and uh, and it needs Senate confirmation, sort of like a, being a, a, a federal judge. Right. Or an ambassador or something. Exactly. Or a cabinet right. official. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's weird. And what the Fed, uh, I know we didn't want to talk about the history of the Fed, but it dates back to like the early 20th century. It's It's not like there's a article in the Constitution that talks about the Fed. That's right. That's right. It was created by legislation. Yeah. Shall we pivot to seismology? Sure. Well, I mean, the, the, uh, there is a, a, a link here, for example. Uh, the president of Turkey, Recep Tayyip Erdogan, uh, is somehow 
for some reason, under the opinion that high interest rates cause inflation. And he has dismissed at least two (laughs) heads of the Turkish Central Bank who have disagreed with him about this. Uh, And so... But he's an autocrat, we should point out. Yeah. Interest rates have remained low in Turkey. And so... uh, Inflation rate in Turkey right now is about 60 percent. That's terrible. It is terrible. That's also stupid for him if he's ostensibly trying to win re-election. Spoiler alert, he's going to win. To be fair, uh, one thing that inflation will do if you're an economy such as Turkey's uh, is that it will devalue your currency, right? Uh, uh, your, Your currency buys less stuff, right? And because the prices are going up. Right. So that uh, helps. Point of clarification. I believe Turkey has their own currency, but also you can buy stuff with euros there. I think that's true. Yeah. But yeah. their official currency is the lira. Yeah. Uh, and. Uh, uh, and so I speak from personal experience. I once bought a beer in uh, the Istanbul airport and oh. I, had to, I had to clarify. But right. that was oh, yeah, in the airport. I'm sure that's all, yeah. it must almost be all euros. I would, I would they think. took uh, both. Yeah. Uh, but. Uh, so if your currency is devalued, that does help boost exports, right? So, right, because your goods are cheaper. Yes. Uh, and so uh, it's not as if there's no benefit from uh, uh, devaluing your currency. But that, listen, that's a dangerous game. It is. Uh, and so, uh, but that's uh, until a couple weeks ago was the biggest problem facing Turkey. Uh, which, yeah, among many, mind you, uh, but that was the biggest one. And so uh, that, you know, w- w- I think Erdogan saw that as his biggest challenge heading into the elections, which had been scheduled for this coming May. That is until the earthquake. Uh, the death toll, Sam, is uh, above 43,000 currently as wow, of okay. Reuters today. That's yeah, that's 2,000 more than it was yesterday last I heard. Uh, and so, I mean, it's just ghastly. Uh, and it might seem crass, by the way. I just want to make sure that listeners understand that I'm aware of this. It might seem crass to talk about the political implications of this horrible, horrifying disaster. But I guarantee you, and I know for a fact, as a matter of fact, uh, plenty of people in Turkey are talking about the political ramifications of the earthquake. So it's as not you as, men- this- as you mentioned last episode, I believe that's how uh, Erdogan came to power. That's right. Well, it's part of the way he came. Part to power, of his narrative was, was yeah. uh, the incumbent mishandling, according to him, an earthquake. Correct. Yes. There, there was an enormous in 1999, in 1999 that earthquake killed. 18,000 people, which is a staggering number, but smaller than this. Awful, awful number of people to die in an earthquake. But Erdogan campaigned. uh, Mind you, he didn't come to power, which we can talk about uh, uh, soon, uh, until 2002. The elections weren't until three years after the earthquake. Uh, But it was such a galvanizing event for Turkey, that uh, it was still a revel- relevant issue uh, at that point. Uh, building codes had been terrible. Many buildings collapsed, and Erdogan promised that he would institute stricter building codes. 
as he came to power, which was, uh, for instance, we talked about Brazil last week. Mm -hmm. Erdogan came to power in Turkey the same year that Lula da Silva came into power in Brazil. That was Lula won. I'm sorry. Lula won 1.0. First Lula. Yes, that's right. I mean, first Lula term. That's right. Uh, And like Lula, Erdogan came to power at the head of a party that had never been in government before uh, and uh, was a a new style of leader uh, for Turkey than they'd seen before. Uh, And he was the head of, and still is, uh, the uh, Justice and Development Party, uh, or the, in Turkish, that's the AK Party. Right. Or the AKP. Uh, And not, I'm sure, by coincidence, if you say AK in Turkish, that is, if you pronounce AK, right, that is a homophone of the Turkish word meaning clean or tidy, we might say. Hmm. So similarly to Lula, uh, Erdogan, people hoped would be... uh, because it was a new party, right? right? Less corrupt or, you know, somehow immune from the corruption that had plagued the Turkish governments uh, for many decades. Uh, That hasn't worked out very well. Uh, You know, it's the Justice and Development Party. I don't think I'm the only person who would say that they've really only done well with the second part. Right. You you speak about corruption in Turkey, and it's it's too easy to say that you know, Erdogan didn't upgrade the building codes because another earthquake came along 22 years later, 24 years later and killed a bunch of people. But I feel like, and you can correct me if I'm wrong on this. I feel like the narrative about Turkey and the EU was these guys are too corrupt. We don't want them in the EU. And that was kind of the fig leaf for we're racist and they're too Muslim. I think that's, I think that's exactly right. Uh, And, but the corruption's real. Oh, a hundred percent. And, and the thing is, we the, the, again, the party's the Justice and Development Party. Right. Turkey is routinely referred to as a developing nation, right? And what does development mean? It means construction, right? If you're a developing nation, you're building new factories, building new roads, right. building new railroads, new ports, building new tons of housing uh, development, right? You generally developing nations usually have growing populations, so they need new housing uh, and. But again, Erdogan, unlike Lula, right, has been in power continuously for 20 years. And fairly brutally at times. Yes. Uh, And uh, now I should say that it's been such a long time that he's been in power that uh, I will certainly get some of the details and the chronology wrong here. Right. Uh, Because so many things have happened in Turkey that it's uh, difficult to remember all of them. Uh, but so the development has continued apace. Tons of construction, tons of infrastructure, tons of housing has been built. And when someone is in power without interruption for that long, the economic elite do notice, well. Right, yeah, yeah. They, they tend to figure out how things are going. For instance, when Donald Trump came to power here, a lot of people were like, oh, well, he wants to have a trade war with China. The business community isn't going to like that. Well, guess what? Right. They figured 
if Trump's going to do this, there are things that we can improve about our trading with China that we might as well use this opportunity. So they fell right into line with Trump almost instantly. Uh, and so the same this, you know, so I don't, we shouldn't pick on Turkey. This happens everywhere. And by the way, and uh, has historically. Yeah. Uh, uh, and uh, concerns about the corruption of the plutocratic elite are a problem in every country on in, earth, including okay? our own. Yes, including yeah. our own. All right. So let's not, you know, be wagging our finger, you know, especially if you're the European Union. Yeah. Right. Let's not be wagging our finger at somebody. Right. right? Uh, but the fact is. Uh, especially the construction industry is known to be very close to Erdogan. Right. Uh, and they uh, are really feeling it right now. A hundred different people have been detained as a result of the earthquake. Uh, but most of them are from smaller construction firms. None of the enormous construction conglomerates that are routinely referred to as cronies of Erdogan's. Uh, have really come under fire here. One of them donated 100 million euro or so to, you know, earthquake relief. Uh, but he, at the same time, was given, you know, substantial tax abatements, right? Uh, and so, uh, the, but as you were saying, the it seems as though the same sort of issue that brought Erdogan to power to begin with uh, might be the one that undoes him. Uh, in this coming uh, in this upcoming election, it might not be as you say he might win, right? Uh, the the opposition is so splintered and uh, has been by design, yes, and has been so brutally repressed, yeah. by Erdogan that uh, it's difficult for them to uh, to actually succeed. And uh, uh, but they, you know Erdogan, I think yesterday declared a three month state of emergency, uh, which. Guess what? Uh, elections are supposed to be three months from now. Right. Uh, and so uh, I think under the Constitution or their electoral law, that is, they 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 have to be held no more than four months from now. So uh, maybe they'll be put off a little bit. But unless he somehow you know suspends the electoral law, uh, which which could happen. Yeah, which I wouldn't rule out. But unless he does something like that, there will be an election sometime this spring. Uh, and the the opposition parties are insisting that the election must go forward because they do see this as their best opportunity. Uh, but, you know, there's so many things we could talk about with Turkey that uh, uh, for the for, last 10,000 years. Well, yeah, exactly. For instance, the, just because of where they're located, they have been uh, a, They're right there, man. Yeah, they have been. And in fact, that's the same reason they have the earthquakes, because they're situated at a place where continents oh. literally collide. Right. European right? plate. I don't know the seismology over there. Like I actually the West. just uh, read a story about this in The Economist yesterday. Right. Uh, they the, excuse me, the tectonics, not the, yes, seismology. the almost uh, uh, by coincidence, the national borders of Turkey are almost a perfect overlap with the Anatolian microplate. Let me guess why. Because there are mountains where that plate bumps into other plates. That's right. Yeah. And it, it, in fact, the Anatolian microplate abuts directly upon the Arabian, Arabian plate, the Eurasian plate, right. and the African plate, as well as the Aegean microplate. Wow. Uh, and so 
every, you know, as, as far back as we can think, right? Every empire in the world, uh, uh, in the region, that is, sure. uh, has occupied or at least attempted to occupy some portion of what's now Turkey. Uh, Asia for, Minor. Yeah, for thousands and thousands and thousands. In fact, the Turkic peoples themselves are not even native to that area. Right, they came but, in. Yeah, they're ju- and they've managed to keep it for half a millennium. Yeah, Asia Minor. If you if you if you're reading history and you come across Asia Minor, that's Turkey. Yes, that and it's is right a, there. It's you know yeah. eastern end of the Mediterranean and on the way to Asia. It's yeah, a big so deal. They they've uh, 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 been a very important nation for many years, and they will continue to be one as, as far as we can tell. And and uh, uh, so we'll have to see how this works out. We can do another episode on them, I'm sure, in uh, May or June or whenever they end up having their election, because we'll be interested to see how this works out. Uh, speaking of that part of the world, Turkey is not the Levant, but it almost is. It border. Yeah, I, I yeah. don't think they actually border with Lebanon, but it's it, there's just a bit of Syria in between, if I'm not mistaken. What's going on in Israel? The question for <laughs> the question for all time. Well, uh, it's a slightly different question now, although it, it of course overlaps with the existing question. But uh, a few months, a couple, two, three months ago, uh, Benjamin Netanyahu became prime minister again uh, after uh, a year or so of, of uh, a different government being in power, and. This time, uh, excuse me, I need to clarify. Did Netanyahu uh, was he convicted on any corruption? He's still awaiting trial. Copy. Uh, uh, as a sitting, as now a sitting prime minister, right? Uh, and that actually bears directly on what's happening. There's been enormous protests in Israel in recent weeks because uh, of a planned legislation to give parliament uh, a greater role in selecting the judiciary uh, that is basically politicizing the process of judicial selection. It would be like if our Congress selected our Supreme Court as opposed to our president nominating and our Senate consenting. Exactly. Right. Or we'll be moving in that direction anyway. Right. Uh, and people are for this or against it. They're against it because the, the, uh, the, the, it's for one thing. One of the reasons Israel's had so many elections in recent years, more than I can even remember. Right. Uh, is because their parliament is a mess. Right. There's so many parties. Uh, and this is a country of nine million people. Right. right. I mean, how many parties do you need? Right. It's, it seems like, you know, a party could be like 12 people. Uh, and. Uh, so the last people we should want to be picking judges is the parliament. Right. Uh, people would think. Which I believe is the Knesset. In the Knesset world. is what they're yeah. called. Exactly. Uh, meanwhile, uh, there's a great deal of unrest in uh, amongst the Palestinians, uh, just as, you know, uh, crops up from time to time. But it's really up against it right now because in order to form a government, Netanyahu had to make alliances with the furthest right wing parties oh, in dear. the Israeli political landscape. Oh, uh, gosh. I mean, some of these people are 
just insane. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I mean, they're just rabidly anti-era. Uh, one of them paid a visit to the Temple Mount recently. Uh, I think during Ramadan. Uh, and I think uh, I'm, I can't remember if it's the same fellow or a different one, but they talk openly about uh, bringing all the settlements in the West Bank into Israel proper, which would basically, you know, decimate any idea of a Palestinian state in the West Bank. Right. Uh, and so all these things are happening at the same time. Uh, mean, uh, and by the way, if they succeed in fixing the judiciary, guess they what? They can like, ramrod that stuff through. Not just that, but our prime minister is in, under indictment. Right. right? I mean, it's so, uh, you so, know, I mean, right. it just stinks. Yeah. And so one, uh, one of the factions or uh, groups of people in Israel that is most opposed to the, the actions of the current government is the tech industry, which is very large, very successful. Probably young and liberal, too. Yes. And they don't want any of this. Right. Uh, and so there's worries of a brain drain. Right. It doesn't look, you know, we don't have to work in Israel. Right. We could get we're skilled technological workers we who could work from, remotely from Israel for yeah, other companies, for other companies. Yeah. Mind you, the tech industry is laying off lots of people right now. So that's perhaps a less compelling argument than it might otherwise be. Right. But they won't forever. Exactly. Uh, and so uh, this is just something to keep an eye on. Uh, Sam, can you clarify? Because my understanding of the situation in the West Bank and Palestinians living in the West Bank, it's already very bad. Yes. So why would Israel officially annexing the West Bank make it worse? Well, OK, that's an interesting question. Uh, there it's a semi-autonomous some... region for the Palestinians right now. Exactly. Currently. Right. The, uh, and there are some younger Palestinians, right, who say, look, why not just have a one state solution? Eventually, uh, Arabs, if you look at the aggregate of the land, that is the West Bank, Israel and Gaza, mm -hmm. right? Eventually, inside of that entire land mass, Arabs will outnumber Jews. And they'll vote, presumably. Uh, and, and well, except that they're not allowed to, right? right? Uh, uh, Palestinians in Gaza and the West Bank won't, that, that is, are not allowed to vote in Israeli elections. But if right? they're in Israel, it would be a very... Well, I, I guess it would be similar to uh, African-Americans in the South in the 20th century. Or, right? uh, yeah, or Native Americans. Native, uh, that's right? the other or, thing. Uh, I was trying to understand the West Bank as perhaps like a, a reservation situation as opposed yeah, it, to. It, it could end up being something like that. Right. Yes. Right. Uh, except that these, you know, are cities that exist already. Right. Right. You know, uh, uh, Bethlehem. You know, uh, you may have heard like of. The, yeah. yeah. You know, you know, there, there are the places that have been settled by Arabs there for thousands of years. Uh, and so. Uh, again, younger Palestinians say we should just let Israel absorb all the land and then insist on the right to vote. Right. If they're going to take it all, then. Uh, and this is why some people have said that. Gosh, that's I mean, but there would Israel, be. There would be elements in Israel that would totally try to suppress that population's yes. ability to vote. Yes, including some of the ones in the government right now. 
right? Including uh, the ones and, who went to the Temple Mount during Ramadan. Exactly. And that's why some people say that Israel is in danger of becoming an apartheid state. Right. Right. Where you will have a minority ethnic group that disenfranchises uh, the majority group on the basis of ethnicity. Uh, and so this Sam, is that's just disastrous, danger. man. I mean, I just, you know, as, as somebody who has known Israelis and understands, you know, in, in a rough sense, the democratic tradition of Israel, it's terrible, right? Israel, like our own democracy, not perfect. Right. But, but it is becoming, a, an actual electoral democracy. Right. There's no question. And that's not nothing, especially in that part of the world. Yes. And, and you know, meanwhile, the, the president of the Palestinian Authority, Mahmoud Bas, right, is in the 18th year of a four year term. Uh, I <laughs> <Right>. mean, so <laughs> it's like, well, yeah. who's a democracy? Right. Right. Uh, uh, but, you know, these are questions that are extremely complicated. Uh, and uh, they're not getting any better. Now, Israel doesn't and Israel and their conflict with the Palestinians don't command the same sort of attention in the West as they used to, which on the whole, I think is actually a good thing. Right. People in the Arab world have actually for many years had much larger problems than than the Palestinian issue, but we've never heard about them in the United States. I have to point out, and I know he's not your favorite author, but Thomas Friedman wrote the book from uh, Somewhere to Jerusalem. Oh, yeah. okay, fine. And he talked, and the whole theme of the book is that Israel holds an outsized grasp over the American media's imagination. And and this book was written in the late 20th century, and that has receded. Yes. And but you're right. It, it did used to occupy a much more central uh, narrative lane. Yeah, in, for instance, there was a, a, a war, a civil war in Algeria all through the 90s. Did you hear about it? No. No, I didn't either. Right. Uh, but it was terrible. Right. Uh, and that's not the only thing. And so uh, uh, in a way, it's good that other things in the region are commanding more of our attention. But that doesn't mean we should take our eye off of this. Sorry, it's from uh, Beirut to Jerusalem. Is right. OK, fine. Yeah. Uh, exactly. Right. The, how, how long a distance is that? Not very. OK, as if, you know, the entire Arab world is, you know, uh, is dependent on this one experience that takes place over 50 miles. I was going to say that's like what San Jose to San Francisco. Something I mean, like that. Not, yeah. I yeah. mean, it's ridiculous. L.A. to San Diego. Yeah. So, but again, we're we're going to need to keep an eye on this while we deal with all this other stuff, which is, uh, you know, vexatious enough as it is.